0: Today I'm continuing the series of sermons entitled, Love One Another, in which we're looking at what Scripture instructs us regarding how we're supposed to treat each other, and especially how we're supposed to treat one another as Christian brothers and sisters. Scripture is very clear that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are called to a very different set of standards and rules. We simply cannot live as the world lives especially that is true in our relationship with other Christian brothers and sisters. So today we want to consider one of the next of the requirements that Scripture makes clear to us, and that is the command that we be kind to each other. To begin, I want us to look at the words of the Apostle Paul, as found in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verses 31 and 32. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. This basic message about kindness is really very simple, and it's the same as the one relating to virtues that we're told about throughout Scripture, here and elsewhere especially when we relate to other Christians. We are to grow to be like Jesus Christ. We are to reflect the virtues of a good and holy and loving God. And the more we become like Jesus, the more we are able to manifest to others what Jesus has given to us, to be kind to us, to forgive us, to be compassionate toward us, the more we will be in God's will. We are to love because Christ first loved us, even when we did not deserve his love. We are to forgive even when someone doesn't deserve it and they haven't asked for it. We are to be kind to others even when they have not been kind to us or other people. It has been truly said, people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Be kind to them anyway. I think that overall, our church, Lakeside Presbyterian, all of us, all of you, do very well in this regard. When I see how you welcome visitors into our church, when I see how many of you are willing to invest your time and your energy as well as your money to help feed and clothe and care for people who are poor and not as nearly as blessed as you are, I am indeed very proud of you, all of you in our church. And I don't think that that kind of pride, that is, pride in the goodness of fellow Christians, is a sin. If it is a sin, then I stand accused, because I am proud of you. I think overall, we do well, and that Jesus is pleased with us. But still, there are times when even we can be too painfully short-sighted and too selfishly human. Far from what I believe God calls us to be, and I include myself in that. Those of you who have been here for a while have sometimes heard me preach sermons in which I've addressed some of those concerns. There was my now infamous sermon in our old church, which came to be called the Big Strawberry Sermon. You all remember that one? Because it had come to my attention that someone was complaining that while we Anglos were in our worship service, the Spanish language congregation members were showing up They were going out to where the food was laid out for our refreshment time, and they were taking the big strawberries. And they were also taking the big seats, and I should do something to stop that. I did not respond very well to that. And so I offered a sermon that that is not what it means to be kind and generous to others. There was the time that I had to preach about kindness and generosity because someone in our English language congregation, I'm sure it's none of you, had approached members of our Mexican congregation to tell them on Second Sunday that they should not be eating so much because they hadn't brought anything. And then they took exception to the fact that a little girl in this family was putting food in a bag to take home, not knowing that this family had no home and that they had no prospect of having anything else to eat that day. I got quite angry about that one. And there have been others. Others. But beyond the events that prompted me to give particular sermons, there have been other times that I've never mentioned to you, mostly because they were targeted at me. (laughs) Times when people have been angry because they didn't get their own way. Times when people insisted on what they wanted, even when it was not what other people needed or what was in the best interest of the church as a whole. There have been times when people, thinking that they knew what was best, tried to get what they wanted by barraging me or others with criticism or trying to manipulate the situation, the people involved in the situations, without being transparent about what it was they really wanted or really thought we ought to be doing. Rather than come out and say, this is what we ought to do, they tried to manipulate the situation. And in every case when things like this have been said or done, all of us that were involved were called to be kind even though these people were not kind, because such words and actions always come from a place of insecurity and hurt. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in light of what they suffer. I can honestly say that despite some real confrontations in our church, there is no one against whom I hold any grudges or feel any lack of forgiveness. And I know that's true for other people in our church that have been hurt as well. If we can do that, if we can do what Bonhoeffer says, if we can remember that most unkindness and most unloving behavior comes from a place of hurt, where people are themselves broken, then we will ourselves be able to be more uh, more loving and kinder to them. And this is exactly what we're called to do, what we are called to be. As Christians, we are called to love one another with authenticity with transparency, with patience, and with generosity in our relationship, even when someone does not seem to deserve it. Our desire must always be to put others before ourselves, even when we have to disagree with them about what it is they're wanting. We have to try to build them up and never to tear them down so that we may thus glorify God and bless one another. My, probably my greatest hero in the faith, G.K. Chesterton, was famous for the debates that he held against people who were non-Christians. Chesterton was a Christian, very committed to the faith, but he had close friends who were not believers, including George Bernard Shaw, H.G. Wells, and many others. And whenever, and those are the days when great entertainment was taken in public debate. And whenever Chesterton would debate with one of these people or others, some of them not nearly as pleasant as Wells or as Shaw, he always found something positive to say about the person. He absolutely believed if at the end of the debate or the end of the day, the person he was speaking to felt belittled or lessened by something that he said, then he had committed a sin. The only person that Chesterton ever refused to debate was Alistair Crowley, who who was the founder of the Church of Satan and proudly declared himself to be the most evil man alive. And I think the reason Chesterton refused to debate him was because he couldn't think of anything good to say about Crowley. And so he thought it best not to say anything at all. To the end of being compassionate with others, to build them up, to be kind to them and generous to them, to that end, we as Christians, we as a church must be willing to risk. We have to be willing to be humbly open and honest with each other. We have to seek the truth with one another, but to do so in peace as far as possible. And it is never okay for us to resort to misdirection or manipulation of situations or relationships in order to achieve our desires and agendas. We must speak plainly, with transparency, but with kindness. We have to be committed to sharing ourselves and our resources, openly showing generosity, charity, compassion, and hospitality, to all the people that God brings into our lives, whether they are people who are part of this church, people in the community, people God sends to us here, or whomever. That's especially true in our service to people who are poor and oppressed, and those with special needs whom we can help, heal, and support. That is why our church is involved in so many different ministries and why we are seeking to grow those ministries, because that's what God has called us to do. This is what we're called to do and to be, not by our own power, but as the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us the ability, as he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. You will remember that the fruit of the Spirit, what should grow in every Christian as they grow in the Lord and to be more sanctified by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm quoting from Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God, the Holy Spirit, desires to give us those things. Now, one of the virtues in these fruit of the Holy Holy Spirit, one that we can perhaps, I believe, most easily approach, if we are willing, is kindness. It may be hard to find sometimes peace or self-control, but kindness is something that we more easily can grasp. Because kindness, for the most part, is simply a choice that we make every hour of the day. Are we going to respond in a kindly way to people? Or are we going to humbug our way through life? An inspirational writer, Roy T. Bennett, has written this, which I really like. He said, attitude is a choice. Happiness is a choice. Optimism is a choice. Kindness is a choice. Giving is a choice. Respect is a choice. Whatever choice you make, then makes you choose wisely. Kindness is a choice. But what exactly is kindness? We use that word, but what does it mean? I think a good and simple definition is that kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. Friendly. Generous and considerate. Are we friendly? Do we really make people believe that they have family at Lakeside because we show friendliness to them? Either people who are visitors to our church for the first time or people who are attending our church all the time. Are we friendly in a way that makes them feel like they're part of a family with us? Are we pleasant, which is necessary for being friendly, or do we grump our way through the day? Looking for targets for our frustration. You know what I mean. (laughs) We've all been there sometime. And also, are we generous? Are we sensitive to the needs and the desires of others? Now, this requires that we think about the needs and desires of others before we think about our own wants. We cannot be generous, therefore, we cannot be kind until we stop focusing entirely on ourselves and what we want. Until we focus on someone else, until we listen and hear their words, until we notice their needs, and then make a decision to try to help them. That's to be generous and kind in the process. Until we think more about another person's needs, then what's the minimum we can get away with in this situation? We cannot be generous or kind. And then are we considerate? Do we make the effort to be polite, to show good manners to others, to allow others to go first, to help in small ways that make a person feel valued? That they are valued because, remember, every human being, no matter how sour they may seem to us, is equally loved by Jesus. Now, I say that kindness is a choice because kindness is one of the proactive Christian virtues. We don't have to do it in response to something else, like gratitude. We show gratitude or feel gratitude because of something that's done for us. Nor is it one of the negative virtues or disciplines, where we say things we're not to do, like we are not to hate or envy or uh, fear or have lust or be greedy. Kindness is a positive thing that we are called to do as a proactive action, something that even if we have to grit our teeth and make ourselves do it, we can still be kind. I experience that all the time, as I've said before, when I'm driving, especially here in Mexico. We're told to pray for our enemies. And when I get cut off or see somebody do something really stupid, like pull over on the sidewalk in order to turn left on a red light in front of two lanes of traffic or something of that sort, I need to pray for those people, and not just pray that they not be so stupid. Okay, I need to pray God's blessing on them. And there are some times when I feel so frustrated by that sort of thing, I will pray through my gritted teeth. But the funny thing I found is that if I will pray for them and not just for them to be the way I want them to be, if I will pray for them through gritted teeth, I don't get but more than a sentence or so into the prayer before my teeth aren't gritted anymore. Sometimes we simply have to decide that we are going to be kind and generous and forgiving. That we are going to show kindness as a proactive thing, even when we don't feel like it. Now, what kindness is not is obvious, I think. Especially obvious from the kind of comments that you hear in the world today. Comments like, well, what's in it for me? There's no generosity and therefore no no kindness in that. Well, it serves him right. I demand my fair share. After the way she acted, see if I ever do anything for her again. And for those Star Trek fans out there, revenge is a dish best served cold. That's from Klingon, in case you didn't know. And did you ever, did you hear what happened to fill in the blank? By the way, gossip is never kindness. It is the opposite of kindness. Even if we try to dress it up as a showing of concern or a sharing of information. I'm from the South, and in the South, they will often say something terrible about somebody, but then make it okay by saying, bless her heart. Like, she's gotten as big as a cow, bless her heart, as though that makes it okay. It doesn't. It is still gossip. It is still negative. It is a lack of kindness. Bless her heart. (laughs) I really have heard people say that. We are called to love as Christ loved us. And that includes being kind to other people, whether they deserve it or not. No gossip. No manipulation. No selfishness, no putting ourselves first, no trying to force other people to be what we want them to be or to do what we want them to do. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter of the Bible, he says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always loves, always perseveres. That's what love looks like. And at its core is a willingness for us to make the choice To be kind to one another, even if we're not getting what we want. Henry James once wrote, and I quote him here, Three things in life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. Will we obey Christ? by being kind? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and enable us to make the choice of kindness toward others since it is one of the fruit that He provides to us? I certainly am willing, if you are, to commit to try. Amen.